0: You can keep going. No, I'm joking. Sit down. (laughs) Morning, everyone. Um, Hope you're all well. I'm trying to get used to this, trying not to move too much for Billy, because as a teacher, I'm constantly walking up and down, and I'm going to annoy her by intentionally doing that. But just trying to. this is my first time preaching in front of people for about a year and a half, so I'm just trying to get used to my bearings. I hope you all had a good week, had a good summer so far. I've been trying to rest as much as possible. I know that some people look at me, "I'll oh, rest, you've got six weeks off. Dan Mills is not in the room, so I can actually boast about it and be like, yeah. But it's been a long, old year. I've just been trying to make sure that, I'm just trying to recharge as much as possible. However, one thing I have done this week is finally pass my driving test. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> so, about time. <laughs> I was actually quite chuffed with it, to be fair. It was just really, really, really intense. Six miners again. I can boast about it because Becky's not in the room. She says she only got two, but she failed once. I, I passed on my first time. I'm just, I'm just gonna. Again. <laughs> right. So, I'm really, really, really glad that I passed because I'd have nothing else to preach about if I didn't. I, I was kind of like I was trying to, when I was thinking about what to put together for this preach. I was kind of thinking. Alright, it'll be really, really convenient if I pass. So, Lord, if you could just do your thing. Otherwise, this is going to be a really, really, really short service. Alright, so, I'm really, really thankful um, for just God providing for me through that moment. It was really, really nerve-wracking. I feel really, really relatively confident on the road. I was joking with John Kidd earlier. This is not me volunteering to drive the church bus. I'm just really just trying to get used to the road a little bit more before I start driving people around. (laughs) But, It was, like I said, it was a long time coming. And I just kept putting excuses in the way not to do it. Work was quite busy. Money was an issue. I was just like, I just kept finding reason after reason after reason not to do it. And then lockdown kind of happened. And then when lockdown ended, I kind of just ran out of reasons not to do it. So I kind of just ended up pushing um, myself through. And I thought, you know what? Summer's coming. I'm going to bang it out. I want to do an intensive course. I like saying intensive course, I never understood why people call an eight day course a crash course for driving. <laughs> There's no sense. Why would anyone, so I did an eight day intensive course. I thought, this is it. I booked it in like April. I thought this would be fine. Light work, I'll go out and do it. Bang it out in eight days, done. Get my pinky, done. However, the week before came, my driving instructor texted me, was like, oh, what, well, mate, everything's all right. Um, just want to send you this um, schedule. Schedule came, you know like, Cognitively, like you understand something, it's not until you see it in black and white, you're like, rah, okay. So, like, five hours of driving every single day. I was like, oh, it might not necessarily be as straightforward as I first thought. And so, it was like five hours a day for about the first f- four ish days. And then the last few days, it was six hours a day. And then on the last day, I had an hour and a half, and then I had my test. And I was like, Pfft. it was tiring. So, very, very, very tiring. It was just so brutal just having to concentrate that much for that many hours and then just having someone criticize you the entire time. Yeah, you've done that wrong. Should you really be in third gear? It was really, sometimes I'd be like, all right, go to fourth gear now. And I'd be like, I am in fourth gear. Ah, I was just checking. Or I'd pass something and I'd be like, oh, what's the cyclist? What cyclist? Kidding. i am not passed. What are you doing? Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> it was so frustrating just like after multiple multiple hours of driving like five hours a day being criticized it was just so tiring and exhausting now if you're a student in the room you might be listening to me going five hours a day with an adult criticizing you I thought you said you were a teacher big man can't be that bad I agree. I'm so sorry. I'd actually completely forgotten what it's like. It's been so long since I've had to do any intensive learning like that. So to actually have someone going, yeah, but should you have done that? And having to concentrate and actually having to be polite for five hours to the same person going, oh, no, 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 no. no, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. My students will be glad to hear if they ever watch this. I will attempt, attempt to be nicer to you when it comes back to September. It was really, really difficult to be that open, that exposed, that vulnerable for a prolonged amount of time. It was really, really difficult. And it opened my eyes because I couldn't really hide from anything. And the title of today's message is Vulnerability. Thanks. (laughs) I was really trying to find like a nice, snazzy title and I was like, I'm just going to call it Vulnerability just for, you know, in case anyone wants to search it up later. I'm not as good as Stephen Furtick yet. Um, so, I just found it really, really difficult to be that exposed, constantly, and that and that aware of my weaknesses, and that aware of everything that I was doing wrong. I'm sure my family got tired of me day after day coming back. Like, it's really hard, you know. Now looking at me like, yeah, yeah, we did tell you, but it's really, really frustrating. Just I come home day after day, and I'd be like, I couldn't do it. I even let you into a secret. Mr. show, had a little bit of a meltdown on day two. Morning of day two, <laughs> just a little one. Oh, it was really frustrating. I think the first day, oh, it was the first day, I hit the curb once, whatever, that's fine, no one died. Then second day, I just thought, fine, I've done day one, got the basics, light work. Day two, just be cruising, I'll be fine. Mm-mm. So I got out there, oh, man, I was making so many mistakes, and this guy was like, shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have done that. Third gear, park, pause cyclist, and I literally went, can we stop, because I'm really, really getting wound up, and I didn't want to just be like, (laughs) I run into the back of someone, and Mr. Show had a little bit of a meltdown, had to get out of the car, park up, car was facing this way, instead of straight, and I got out, I called Beck, and I was like, look, this is really winding me up, I need to calm down, what I didn't know was that my instructor was cracking up in the car, going loving it he found it hilarious to the point that I found out the next day he was like look mate I just got to come clean that was absolutely hilarious what you went through yesterday I genuinely had to walk away and hide in the car because I thought if he sees me laughing he's gonna knock me out (laughs) it was I was like yeah thank you wisdom flesh and blood did not reveal this to you I'm very very wise to walk away from it it was tough What I was really, really looking for was like a safety net, something to just kind of cover my shame, cover my iniquity, because I just felt so exposed. And that's normal. Absolutely normal. When you feel exposed like that, when you feel vulnerable like that, you just want to hide away. You don't want anyone to see you. (sighs) Leave me alone. Weirdly enough, it's not actually what God intended for us. And I, I kind of actually forgot about that until I started re, uh, writing this speech. But it's not actually how we were designed. If you think about how Adam and Eve were in the Bible, everything was out. Everything. Nothing to hide from God. You were completely exposed. God saw everything. It wasn't until that they ate from the tree that they had to try and hide their shame and try and cover themselves up. But initially, when God designed Adam and Eve everything was out there and it wasn't that it wasn't just that you couldn't hide you didn't want to I don't mean you didn't want to hide from God they were happy to just be in the presence of God to be like this I can't imagine that was standing there'll be really weird but just to be exposed why why would you want to hide from your creator God what, God, I want you to see everything and how is it now That society is like, no, actually, I just want to kind of cover up everything that is wrong with me. And at times, we even trick ourselves into thinking that we can do the same with God. You try and hide certain bits of your life with God because you're not necessarily proud of it. And And yet God still sees it. And God is calling you forward like, no, 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 this is not how I designed you. I designed you to do life with me, to do relationship with me, to bear everything in front of me. That's the state God wants us to live in. Because even in our iniquity, in our imperfection, where we are most weak, his strength is made perfect. If you look at 2 Corinthians 12, 9, really famous, well, 12, 8 to 9, really famous verse. Now, uh, this is Paul speaking, and it says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Three times. Three times he said, God, you know what? No, take this away from me. This sword in my side, take it away from me. I don't want to deal with this. And God said, no. Nah, I'm not going to do that. My grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And even this was a tough thing for me to even write down in terms of being able to preach it. But it's true. You know, sometimes in life, God will allow you to go through a season of being exposed, of being really, really uncomfortable, so that his glory may be revealed. And as annoying as that is, there's nothing greater than his glory. I knew, as much as I really, really despise waking up in the morning and trudging to the Vauxhall Westra, As frustrating as it was, I knew I had to go through it because Becky was going to beat me up. (laughs) I knew I had to go through it because of the prize that was set before me. I knew what goal I was striving towards. So as frustrating as it was, and morning after morning, as annoying as it was, I went through it because I knew what was waiting for me on the other side. And Jesus did exactly the same. Didn't pass his driving test. However... Went through the exact same process. And actually Matt shared this verse last week. It's Hebrews 12.2. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right throne. Sorry, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Scorning his, his its shame, who is completely exposed, literally like this, can't get any more exposed. And why? For the joy set before him. For my life, for your life. At that moment, when he's completely exposed, his arms stretched out wide. God's strength was made perfect. Vulnerability is so counterintuitive to society and how we happen today. Because you want to put out that perception that you've got it all together. It looks all good. Got my J's on. Got my Jordans. Got my car. Got everything put together. You want to look good and put out that perception that you're doing well. Those of you that are married or dating or in a relationship, remember those early days. You want to make sure that you all look good. <laughs> Everything looking fantastic. And you don't want to let it all your crazy out at once. You let it out in stages, <laughs> not all at once. I remember um, one of my <laughs> one of my early dates with Becky, actually. Oh gosh, <laughs> and. Um, what happened was, we went out, went to Pizza Hut. Now, this is my mistake. This was my mistake, number one. Pizza Hut, what am I doing? I, it should have been a movie date. Go out to the cinema. Now, these people, I know there's people in the room like I like this. These people are like, I don't like going to the movies on the date because we don't even talk. <laughs> Pardon? Yeah, it's just really dark and there's no real No, go away. Move, out of my, look. Let's be real, marriage. Day to baby's asleep. There will be nights where we're sitting down silent together watching Celebrity MasterChef. If I can't chill with you in quiet, what are we doing here? What, what are we doing? Sorry, I digress. Went to Pizza Hut. Eating there all awkwardly. Our first week of dating. Someone please tell me why I'm using a knife and fork in Pizza Hut. Why? <laughs> what am I doing? A knife and fork in Pizza Hut? God forbid I took a to Nando's. It would have been like... Really too much. But you just feel really, really vulnerable. We're both like, I couldn't finish this. I'm so full. Meanwhile, three quarters of the pizza's there. You know that moment when you get home, you're really, really hungry. you like, damn, I should have asked for a doggy bag. Just do out of that right now. But because you feel so vulnerable and exposed, you don't want to like, have your tongue hanging out whilst you're trying to eat, you try and act more reserved and you just try and put up the persona. No one actually wants to be that exposed in front of their partner. But ultimately, everyone knows in a relationship is really, really important to be vulnerable early on. Get it out there early on. If you're a messy eater, do it early. Go to Nando's early. Destroy the chicken. Just, just do it if you have to. If that's you, do it early. Be exposed, be vulnerable. Because having a meal in front of someone is really actually quite intimate. It's really, really um, intimate. It's really, really exposing. Even the Jews knew this. For the Jews, having a meal together at the table was a place of mutual respect and vulnerability. And why is this important? Why is it important to have So many opportunities to have mutual respect and vulnerability. And I just want to kind of look at it through the lens of some of the Jewish feasts this morning and constantly come back to the idea of vulnerability. Now, I'm going to go through a few points. points. Please pray for me. I'm still not at that level where all my points start with the same letter. or All my points spell out a phrase. Jesus loves you. No, I will get there, but I'm not there yet. So I'm just going to say a few key phrases and then... See if you can keep up with me. So, number one. Vulnerability invites a gift from God. And I actually want to talk about um, one of the Jewish feasts, which is Rosh Hashanah and uh, Yom Kippur, which are the start of the Jewish New Year. And they read out something called the Adekah, um, which is basically basically the story of when Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac. So we're going to read it out now. Genesis 22, verse 7 to 14. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. Fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son, Isaac, and laid him out on the altar On top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. He replied, Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now that I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up. And there in the thicket saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Amen. So a few things that I want to take from that. The vulnerability of Abraham. See, Abraham was willing to sacrifice his only son. Abraham was so old when Isaac was born. And yet when God told him to sacrifice, he was like, you know what? I'm just going to lay it out all before you. It hurts, but I'm going to do it anyway. Knowing that God will come through. He didn't know how, but he did it anyway. Number two, this is actually my favorite example of vulnerability in the story. Isaac got on the altar. He got on the altar, and then Abraham bound him up. Now, my dad is 57 and five foot nine. At a stretch, there's no way that old man is putting me on any, any altar. I just want to get away. No, sorry, Dad. I do, I do respect you. If you do what says, I do respect you. You are a little bit taller than that, but there's no way my dad is putting me on an altar and tying me down. It's not happening. The only way that could happen is if Isaac got on himself and was submissive and allowed himself to be vulnerable before his father. Knowing that God will provide. Number three, the gift of the ram caught in the thorns, in the thicket. I love this. In the, the sacrifice in the place of Isaac. Just like Jesus was going on to be. Also crowned with thorns to be our sacrifice in our place. Vulnerability invites a gift from the Lord. It allows him to provide for us. It commands a blessing. And afterwards, Yom Kippur, which starts following Rosh Hashanah, is the day of atonement. And that's when the Jews confess all their sins. And the high priest lays his hands on a goat, known as the scapegoat, and sends the goat into the wilderness to atone for our sins. Just as Jesus did. Jesus became covered in our sin on the cross and atoned for us. He became our scapegoat, our Azazel, and became our scapegoat as a result through his vulnerability. Now, five days after Yom Kippur, you have another feast, Jerry's love and meal, and it's called Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, it's in this feast that we see that vulnerability brings humility. Now, during Sukkot, what you have to do is build a shelter. It's like a weird hut type thing with about three walls. And then you have to lie down on the floor inside it and look to the sky and be like, wow, covered in branches. And the point of you lying inside the hut is to realize that your protection doesn't actually come from your four walls, it doesn't come from anything else. You're so completely exposed in that hut. Your protection comes from nowhere else but God. Nowhere else. And I love that at that feast, it's a sign of reflection to go, you know what? Even if I have these limited things around me, that's not going to protect me. What ultimately protects me is the King of Kings. So, whereas Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, vulnerability comes from dealing with your sin. At Sukkot, it reminds you of your protection from God above. And the fact that even when you're exposed, your protection comes from God. And one thing that you've got to remember is Sukkot is actually at the end of summer, the dry season in Israel. So I'm going to read a verse and then I'm going to unpack it a little bit more afterwards. So it's John 7, 37 to 39. So on the last and greatest day of the festival, which is actually Sukkot, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Anyone who believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit. Those whom those believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. Now, there's so much significance of this. So here's Jesus on the festival of Sukkot going, you know what? Those who are thirsty, come to me and I'll allow you to drink. And the reason why that has such significance for the Jews is because it had been dry for months and months and months. And actually, a lot of what a lot of Jews did whilst they were in the hut, what they were actually praying for is rain. They wanted rain to come. So knowing that the Jews were praying for rain, were praying for water. Jesus stands up on Sukkot and says, you want the real stuff. You want the living water. You need to come to me. It comes through me. It comes through me. Not through anything else, not through your hard work, but through me. Vulnerability, being exposed, vulnerability breeds humility within yourself to remind yourself, if I want anything through in life, it needs to come through Jesus Christ, my King and Savior. Amen. It's not going to be by your own power. It's not going to be by your own might. In Zechariah 4.6, it says, this is the word... Of the Lord to Zerubbabel. That's my favorite word in the Bible. Love that. Zerubbabel. Love saying that. But not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Just like Jesus said in Sukkot in John. The scripture literally says that he was talking about the spirit. And here's the reminder it's not going to be by your power, it's not going to be by your mind, but by his spirit, says the Lord God Almighty. Vulnerability breeds humility. Third one, vulnerability invites God to use you. I already mentioned earlier that Jesus gave his life for the joy set before him. And his death was at Passover. And at this time, it had such tremendous significance. So just to refresh your memory, before we have got Palm Sunday, and we're leading up to Passover. Now, why, par- why did the Pharisees decide to get him at Passover. Well, it makes sense if you think about it. Every Jew in the land celebrating Passover. Some have traveled back to where um, they come from. Miles and miles and miles. Got there. Had a massive feast. I don't know about you, but after I eat a lot. Christmas Day. I'm that uncle. Like, I'm that guy. Just passed out. Everyone's really, really, really tired at the end. So Passover happens. Jesus does the last supper with his disciples. And then the Pharisees come with the Roman soldiers. Where's everyone else? Where, where are all the Jews that were celebrating him? They're in bed. They're tired. The Pharisees knew that this is when Jesus was at his most vulnerable. Every Jew's at home. They're not looking for Jesus. They're, not. they're all with their families having their own cedar, their own Passover meal. They're not going to be with Jesus. He's going to be there and completely exposed. So they arrested him at night time, in the dead of night. Then when they did his trial, no one was there to defend him. His trial happened in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. Again, where were the Jews? They were asleep. It's the middle of the night. Everyone's been eating. Everyone's tired, conked out, completely asleep. Jesus was at his most vulnerable. So the Pharisees knew if we get him at this point, there's not going to be many people around to defend him. So I always found it quite weird. You know, um, sometimes when you see depictions of it, you've got the same Jews going crucify and crucify and crucify. Where have you lot come from? No, no, no. Jesus' supporters are in bed. Those people, those Jews that are going crucify and crucify, those are the ones that really, really hated him, that stayed up through the night to make sure that he got crucified. Jesus' supporters were nowhere to be found. And actually it makes sense because when you think about it, Peter denied Jesus Three times before sunrise. So it all had to happen in the middle of the night. All had to happen in the middle of the night. Completely exposed. No one to help him. No one to support him. It wasn't until Jesus was carrying his cross to Calvary. That's when his supporters started to come back from the temple. And that's when they started to realize what was going on. And the Pharisees knew this. But made sure. If we're going to do this. We need to get Jesus at his most vulnerable. At his most exposed. And Jesus knew that but knew that this was his appointed time for God to use him. Even though he knew it was at his most vulnerable, most susceptible to being captured, most susceptible to being arrested, he knew that this is when God is going to be able to use me. To fulfill the law, to become our sacrificial Passover lamb. Jesus had to be vulnerable. To be used by God. But glory to God. We know that's not how the story ends. Three days later. Jesus rises again. To set us all free. Amen. And you know the best bit is. There's another feast. Love you. Love a munch. The best bit is. So there's another feast after this. And this is the feast of the first fruits. Now it does vary. And when it is after Passover year to year. But that year. That year, the feast of the first fruits was on the Sunday, was on the third day. So what Jesus was saying with his resurrection is, I'm back and it's time for the harvest. It's time. With my resurrection, it's time. We are all here. I was vulnerable And thought to be dead. And I'm coming back to let you know that through my vulnerability, through my resurrection, we are going to have this harvest. We are going to save thousands of lives. God's people are going to rise and be saved through my resurrection on this day. And the Jews knew it. It wasn't a coincidence to them. They looked and went, wow, on the feast of the first fruits, the first harvest, the feast of the harvest, this is when my Jesus came back. This is when my Jesus came back. So, let the harvest begin. If this is where we're at, let the harvest begin. How are we going to do it? Through our vulnerability. Vulnerability commands a gift from God. Vulnerability breeds humility within you. And vulnerability allows God to use you. When people encounter you. They should encounter those three things. They should encounter God through your vulnerability. And I try and do this again and again through my preaching. I want to make sure that I can just be open. And as honest as you. Like I'm just a normal guy. Just an annoying teacher. And. And. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to stand here and be like, and be unnecessarily humble. I I recognize that God has given me a particular gift of communication, but I enjoy the fact that Pastor Barry is an apostle and is able to just speak vision over the church. But that's not me. I enjoy the fact that Pastor Sarah Jane is just so incredibly in touch with the heart of the Father. And whenever she speaks, You just can't help but be overwhelmed by the love of the Father because every word she speaks, you can feel it coming from heaven. And then there's me. (laughs) And again, I'm not saying this to be falsely humble, but what I enjoy about preaching is just reminding myself, it's just me. I'm just a normal guy. I have my own issues and I like being able to bear myself in front of you. You guys know me. You've been on my journey. I joined this church when I was 21. I'm 31 now. You've gone in this journey with me. You've seen every trial. (laughs) You've seen me struggle through things again and again, even when I've tried to hide it. You've been there with me when my brother-in-law passed away. You were there with me. And I was able to talk about it. You were there with me when I talked about my mental health and when I really, really, really struggled and I shared that with you. You were there with me when I told you guys about how difficult we found it to conceive for Naomi. And I put myself in front of you. Not for an oh, woe is me, but that show that you can share in the victory with me. That's the power vulnerability brings. I don't I look at my amazing daughter and I'm not here to say it as a as a boast. I, I look at it as, wow, I was so weak. I was so broken. I found it so difficult to sing up there. I found it so difficult to preach. I was so broken and battered. And I boast in that so that you can see this is not me. This is not about me at all. At all. My vulnerability here in front of you, me exposing myself, Week after week is so that you can see that all glory belongs to God. All glory belongs to God. My preaching is based on mutual trust and vulnerability. Just like having a meal. Just like we were sharing a meal together. And the same should go for you. When people encounter you and they encounter the father, the reason why they will turn to the father is because of your mutual respect and your willingness to be vulnerable. Not because of your bravado and be like, hi, look at my amazing life. But your willingness to go, I've been broken and look how God brought me through. That is what's going to draw people into through the harvest. There's so much power in just being able to have a meal and being able to sit at a table with someone. And we can look at John 21, 9 to 19. We can see it here. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. He invited them for a meal. He could have just said, hello, I'm back. No, he invited them for a meal because he knew the Jewish significance for them is that we're going to have a moment here of mutual respect and vulnerability. And Where did it go? So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. I don't know the significance of that number. I speak to shame, Willard. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of his disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after his rise from the dead. And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, son, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you that when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death that Peter would glorify um, God. Then he said to him, follow me. They shared a meal and had an incredible moment of vulnerability. Again, men in the room, when you met your partner and you're eating and she goes, do you love me? <laughs> <sighs> Hopefully you don't have a mouth full of food at that moment. When, when she says, do you love me? Uh, Yes, it it needs to come out very quickly and very clearly. It's so exposing in that moment. So exposing in that moment. And Jesus did it three times. And what was the response? To feed my sheep, to love my sheep, to take care of my sheep. In this moment of incredibly, incredible vulnerability. Through our love. I want you to take care of my people. And that's what Jesus is calling us to do. Ultimately, your vulnerability should allow others to encounter Jesus. That is what brings salvation. Matt, can you come up, please? I'm going to read Isaiah 25, 6 to 8. Another feast. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples. A banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples. All peoples. A sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Amen. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. He's preparing a feast for us. But not just for us. For all peoples. For all faces. For all the earth. For every nation. And at the end of it, even when we feel at our most vulnerable and our most exposed... He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, it's not on there, so don't panic. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Psalm 34, verse 5. And it says, those who look to the Lord, their faces are radiant. They're never covered with shame. Never covered with shame. Having an intimate moment with the Father as much as it feels exposing, as much as it feels like you're so vulnerable, it removes all shame, all total shame. And when people encounter you and they encounter the Father, it should remove all of their shame. They should just be able to come before you and meet the Father and be like, Lord, take me as I am. So I stand here speaking to all of you to just say, And whether you're in the building or whether you're watching at home, just come to the Father as you are. He knows every iniquity, He knows every problem, He knows every issue with you. And yet He still wants you. Come as you are. Come as you are. So the question is this Are you willing? Are you willing to be that vulnerable? It doesn't feel nice. It doesn't actually feel comfortable at all. However, from our very creation, that's what God intended for us. So be vulnerable for the joy set before you, for his strength to be made perfect. Can we rise? I just want to pray for you for you for a second Lord thank you so much for the gift of your son Jesus And I'm so thankful that we can hide nothing from you. So Lord, us collectively as a church, in the room, online, everywhere, we stand here exposed before you. Saying take us, use us for your glory. As we do every Sunday, we just want to give everyone the opportunity to encounter Jesus this morning. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're in the room. Maybe you're watching at home. And you're sitting there thinking, I want that encounter. I've never been able to be that vulnerable before Jesus. And whether that's you praying this prayer for the first time, or again, as a recommitment, you can signify by raising your hand. Everyone's good in the room. Let's pray together to end the service. And if you're praying this prayer for the first time at home, please don't hesitate to just drop us a message to let us know of your commitment to Jesus. Dear Father, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, who for the joy set before him Scorning its shame, bear himself on the cross. I make myself vulnerable before you so that you can use me for your glory. Come into my heart right now. Amen.